0: You're listening to a podcast from DTB. Welcome to the DTB podcast for volume forty-seven, number eleven, November two thousand and nine. My name's Ike Yanachar and I'm editor of DTB, and I'm joined by DTB's deputy editor David Fazakerley. Hello. This issue begins with an editorial entitled "Uncommon Knowledge." What's this about,
1: David? Well, this uh, editorial picks up on an issue uh, around medicine safety. Uh, particularly around statins, which we know are very well-used and very effective medicines for people with cardiovascular disease. However, back in February 2008, the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency issued a bulletin which talked about safety concerns and some recently discovered concerns over side effects with uh, statins, which included depression in, in limited numbers of patients. That time it was thought that this uh, would make it into the regulatory information, the product information leaflets and statements of product characteristics. But even at this stage, November 2009, this has not yet happened. And this editorial picks up on that issue and questions why it has taken as long as it has. So...
0: Just to be clear, there's no suggestion that um, the well-established use of statins is, is being questioned. Well, that's not what the editorial is about. It's about um, how a particular warning um, of a potential side effect in some patients just hasn't made it into the into the literature.
1: Yes, absolutely. The, no question about their, their continued benefit and uh, encouraging their widespread use in appropriate patients. The issue here is whether... Uh, In order for clinicians to make effective decisions on safety and benefits, all the information should be presented to them uh, promptly and accurately so that they can uh, make an informed decision.
0: Okay. Continuing the theme of, of cardiovascular disease, the first main review in this month's issue is entitled Aspirin for Primary Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease. What's the main message here, David?
1: again i guess we need to make the distinction between the very well accepted use of aspirin in uh, patients who've already got cardiovascular disease for secondary prevention but this article concentrates on primary prevention so in those people who are at, um, who have not currently got cardiovascular disease and the picture here for these people has been has been less clear um for some time guidelines have recommended that patients uh, certain groups of patients without cardiovascular disease should consider taking aspirin, um, but the evidence behind this hasn't always been as as robust as we might might like, and more recently, the question over whether the potential benefits of aspirin in this group of patients outweighs the well-known harm such as uh, gastrointestinal bleeding um, whether this outweighs it sufficiently to make this a a, a widespread recommendation. And what we've seen in a more recent uh, review of, of the evidence has suggested that actually there is no long-term mortality benefits from using aspirin in, in patients who are at, at low risk of cardiovascular disease, and even the potential benefits in preventing things like myocardial infarction uh, and stroke, the absolute benefit is pretty much outweighed by the potential harms that aspirin can cause in this group of people. So really questioning whether we should have a policy of recommending aspirin uh, to people who have not currently got cardiovascular
0: disease. And what, And so what's the take-home message for somebody who is either prescribing aspirin for primary prevention or indeed a, a person who's, who's taking it?
1: I think the take-home message is to, to really reconsider the, the reason for taking the, taking the aspirin. I think this raises questions for both for GPs but also for community pharmacists who may be seeing patients who are buying this over the counter and may not actually be in touch with a, with a, a, a GP and actually gives an opportunity for them to suggest perhaps the patient needs to have a review of, of whether the aspirin is appropriate for them and whether they're actually putting themselves at, at any benefit at all or at more risk from taking the aspirin.
0: Clearly, okay, this is a, a story that's been picked up widely in the media and, and reflects really the, the interest in aspirin and its use in preventative disease. The next uh, main review in this month's issue is entitled Over-the-Counter Weight Loss with AlliStat." David, your take on this?
1: Well, allostat has been around for some time now as a prescription-only treatment uh, for obesity, and it's available as 120 milligram uh, capsules and known as Xenocal. But Now, for the first time, we have an over-the-counter version, uh, which has been produced and is now for sale through community pharmacies. Um, Trade name is now Ali. Uh, This is a lower dose, 60 milligram capsules. And what the article seeks to do is really set the uh, benefits of Ali in context, compares it to what we know with the licensed uh, prescription-only treatment dose, and compares weight loss for the two regimes, as well as setting into context some of the unwanted effects that you might expect to see with, with Orlistat. And, and, and do we recommend it? I think, like all interventions for, for obesity, it has a place, uh, particularly for people who are well-motivated, who will do the other interventions, uh, change their diet, increase their exercise, and will really stick to a, a a regime that will promote as much weight loss as possible, so it has a qualified approval. Okay, um, and
0: finally, in this in this issue, we have a, a review of seasonal affective disorder and how that's managed. David,
1: yes, again a, a useful review of, of uh, seasonal affective disorder and really questioning whether. The treatments that we currently have are are effective or not, but within the context of perhaps some limited information and evidence to support uh, interventions for seasonal affective disorder. The article looks at the diagnosis as well as some of the traditional treatments, such as antidepressants, um, but highlights the lack of specific evidence in this particular area. One of the very, uh, I guess, common public perceptions of uh, seasonal affective disorder is that light has a, a role to play uh, and the article itself looks at the evidence uh, the practicalities of using light and whether the guidelines and current recommendations actually support the use of of uh, light boxes for people with seasonal affective disorder again it draws on perhaps limited information and evidence in order to make its conclusions uh, but draws from the guidelines. And so the, the forthcoming NICE guideline on depression will also make reference uh, to depressive diseases in in general, but also make reference to, to light treatment. So overall, the article concludes with um, setting it in context and suggesting that perhaps you know, light therapy does have a role to play uh, for some patients, um, either on its own or in combination with drug treatment or CBT, particularly for mild or moderate symptoms. Thanks very much for that, David.
0: To read these or any other DTB articles, please go to our website, dtb.bmj.com. For more information about this programme
1: and other BMJ Group podcasts, go to podcasts.bmj.com.